Thank you, Andrew. Morning, everyone. I have to say this is quite a bizarre preaching experience because not only are we obviously on the Zoom Facebook call, but there's also people in the room. And I've never preached in front of a room of people that are firstly socially distanced, but secondly, all wrapped up incredibly warm. Because one thing you're not going to catch in this building is COVID, but you're very likely to catch a cold at the end of this morning because it's absolutely freezing. So I hope you're all wrapped up warm at home. You're probably enjoying having heating. We're enjoying coats and scarves and gloves and um, face masks. It's definitely interesting um, trying to worship to there is a voice that must be sung when you can't sing, which was an interesting, slightly ironic situation, but it was good to be worshipping together um, anyway. So... I'm continuing our series, as Andrew said, and over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at um, how we use technology, is what we're um, talking about. And we're mainly talking about technology in terms of sort of our personal use of things like televisions, computers, social media, stuff like that, as opposed to how we use a toaster or something like that. So just to sort of clarify that, I think one of the reasons I'm preaching on this area is going to actually be the only one of the elders that uses any sort of social media at all. So I thought it was probably more sensible for me to preach on because I've gone through some of the sort of struggles and dilemmas of how to use some of these things appropriately as well. As you've probably noticed in this series, we're kind of splitting the weeks in half. So we're kind of doing like a week on like what the Bible says about something and then a week on how we apply that to our own lives, which when we're talking about sort of hurry or the Sabbath or fasting very easily works. Um, when we're looking at technology, it's a little bit more challenging because there's not many obvious examples in the Bible of what Jesus did on social media. So we are having to think a bit more about actually some of the principles that come through from 2,000 years ago and how they apply to our lives. But actually, when you start to look into it, there is quite a lot. Now, as you know, this series, um, we've been using a book by um, John Mark Homer that a lot of us read over the summer as a bit of a guiding sort of thought process to help us work through some of these issues. But obviously, like Paul said last week, actually, we're not saying do everything that John Mark Homer says, but actually, he's been trying to work through how to live a life following Jesus and thinking about some of these issues and applying it to his situation. So what you'll probably find over these two weeks is this week in particular does draw out more from the book because it's looking at some of the principles and some of the things he talks about in there and actually some of the things in the Bible that he draws out. Whereas next week, when we're starting to look at a bit more how that applies to our own lives, it's quite different because obviously my process of working some of these things through is very different to John Mark Homer's and each of your processes is going to be different as well. Saying that, when I read the Rufus Elimination of Harry over the summer, there was a line that really hit me. And I'm sure for people that have read it, or like reading all books, different people, different lines hit them. But there's this one line that was like, um, can you picture Jesus half talking to you, half texting on his iPhone with the occasional, uh-huh, punctuating a one-sided conversation? Now, I don't know about you, but I've definitely acted like that before. I've definitely not been paying full attention to someone because I've been on my phone or on my email or something else. And I've definitely been in situations where people have responded back to me. And so that really hit me. It also hit me because it's one of the things I get the most grief for at work is I'm really bad at multitasking. And I don't think that's just because I'm a guy. It's just one of the things I'm not particularly good at. And so actually, people often will joke with me, even when we're in the office, that actually if I'm like they'll know if I've become distracted by an email or something because I'm rubbish at pretending that I'm focusing on two things at once because I can't do it. And I found, um, like, I've, so before COVID, I was trying to do some things around that sort of practically at work. So, you know, I was going into meetings and deliberately not taking my laptop with me. So I was fully engaged in the meeting I was in and stuff like that. And um, interestingly, I found it's become even more challenging now we're working remotely because of the sort of software we have. So we use Microsoft Teams at work and you have this bizarre thing where you're in a meeting, but all your chat alerts come up. So people now, it's just common practice in work that people will 
you'll try emailing. If you don't respond to email, they'll like start in the chat by going, oh, I know you're in a meeting, but do you know the answer to this and stuff like that? And, that's just, and then some people now have worked out in the council that you can actually do two, Zoom me two meetings at once. You can be in two different things. So people are like, oh, it's great. We can save time because we can be in two meetings at once, which is bizarre, isn't it? But I think it just shows that actually, sort of Paul talked about last week, the limitations that God puts on us. And one of them is not being in two places at the same time. But as humans, we're trying really hard to go, oh, no, we can do that. We can clearly be in a text conversation, a Zoom meeting, a Teams call, check our email, and all at the same time. And you actually, you see how we're trying to fight sometimes the limitations that have been put on us for our good. I think um, our use of tech, to me, feeds into sort of two of our issues that have contributed to the sort of stress and hurry that James talked about right at the start of this series. And the first one is actually, it's a new distraction that fills our time and attention and takes it away from things that actually our attention and time could be on. God, our family, our friends, our communities, even the world around us. I think the other thing it also feeds into is the sort of FOMO thing, the fear of missing out. And actually that whole thing that's like, well, um, I might not immediately see an opportunity or respond to a message. If my phone's not with me, someone might message me and say, oh, do you want to do this? And I won't see it straight away. And what will that mean? And likewise, with like Facebook, Instagram and stuff like that, you'd be like, but these people are doing this party and I haven't been invited to that. And what's going on with it? And you can breathe into both of those things so easily. So, so we're going to look at some specific things, like I said, around our application of some of these things next week. But I want us to just start by looking at some principles around how Jesus wants us to live that can underpin this thinking. So to start with, um, we're going to look in the Bible. We're going to turn to Matthew 11:28 to 30. If you have Bibles with you, if not, I'll read it out and the words will appear. They already have appeared on the screen. I can see the screen today, which is quite exciting. But this does mean I can see myself in the corner. But anyway, I won't get distracted. So it says in Matthew 11:28 to 30, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, um, a lot of you probably know that a yoke is something from sort of agriculture back in sort of biblical times, like sort of they yoked um, animals together to pull a plow. Um, but actually, I think often when we can think about yoke in this context, Jesus' yoke could be described as like actually his way of teaching. What he's saying is, come and follow me and my teachings, and the burden of life will no longer be crippling, but light. And Jesus' call is come and follow him. To be his apprentice is probably a good sort of word in terms for it. The message has a really good translation of this passage, which I really like, actually, because it just sort of really brings it to life. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And um, I like this version of actually how it's written. I think actually it just really makes you think about actually what's Jesus actually saying? He's saying to come close to him, learn from him, look at how he's doing life, walk with him in how he's doing life. I think like, the, this passage is one that anyone that's been around churches for a long time probably knows. Actually, it's one that you sort of hear sort of in ch even at Sunday school as a kid and you sort of learn it. But I think um, probably the question is, how much do we actually feel that? How much do we actually think, um, oh yeah, we're following Jesus and our burdens light? How many of us walk through life feeling like that, especially at the moment? Or how many of us are actually feeling tired and stressed and worn out and kind of the opposite things of what Jesus is actually saying life with him is like. I think um, 
it is really challenging, isn't it? And I think one of the challenges around that is that often I think we try and take some of the teachings and things that Jesus says and then kind of just slot them into our lives but kind of keep most of our life the same as everyone else around us in the world. So, you know, we go, actually, we're Christians, we follow Jesus and actually that means we love our neighbours and we, you know, tithe to the church and we spend some time with God. But it all kind of is like, well, it will kind of fit in where it fits into my life, but you know, actually, I'm going to carry on doing most of what the people around me are doing and live my life the same way as most people. And actually, would like, apart from maybe people saying you're quite nice, would people actually necessarily notice a difference in how you live your life? And I think one of the challenges in that is that actually, I think often what we do is we kind of want to experience the life Jesus had without actually adopting the lifestyle that Jesus adopted. And I'm not saying here that we're going to live exactly the same as Jesus did 2,000 years ago, because clearly we're in a really different space and time. But actually, how much do we look at what Jesus did and think, actually, how can we apply that to our own lives today? Or how much do we just listen to some of his teaching and use it as like a theological framework, as opposed to actually being an apprentice of him, which means really learning actually how he lived day to day and what that means for us. I'll give you an example. So I'm a member of a gym. Um, you can tell, can't you? Um, so I'm a member of the gym, um, but mainly, I'll be honest, which you probably I can tell, is because we go for like the kids' classes. They do like swimming and tennis and that sort of stuff, and we go along for that. And sometimes when I'm sitting, you see, you can see my version of a gym. When I'm sitting in the jacuzzi at the gym, I sometimes think, um, you know, people appear in the jacuzzi and they're all toned with like six packs and muscles, and they've been working out and stuff like that. And I think, oh yeah, I'd quite like to do that. Maybe I could um, do that. And then um, I think about it a little bit more. Because, um, you know, and I think, mm, well, I'm quite happy with my dad bod, as I like to know it. You know, um, so I went, I'll tell you a little story, and I did for the slide. So um, I went to free radio with work a couple of years ago. Um, free radio, JD and Roisin, morning show, really good on free radio, local Coventry radio, it's good. But anyway, I um, got invited along, and producer Paul um, was one of the people there, and he was just setting up a dad's bod club for... Um, people to tone their dad bods by having pies and latte. And he was trying to persuade me to come along to it because he thought I had the perfect body for his dad bods club. So, but apparently, according to an article recently in the paper, dad bods are more, now more sexy from than six packs. So I'm going to tell myself that. Um, anyway, sorry, I digress. But anyway, um, so actually, to, I realised that actually the sacrifice involved by having a six pack and, you know, being really healthy and having being really home, would actually mean things like actually what these people do at the gym is like going to the gym every day, probably getting up early, going to the gym, doing your weights, running. Um, actually, it would probably involve actually what they're doing is drinking protein shakes and having nice healthy food and stuff like that. And actually, the reality is, is what, I, what I actually do in my head is make a quick cost-benefit analysis and decide, well, I don't want to really be obese, so I'll be reasonably healthy, but actually, I'm not going to worry that much because I quite enjoy nice food and lions and a glass of wine and even stuff like that. So you make a quick cost-benefit analysis of actually is it worth the effort and sacrifice involved to be like that? And, um, and actually we do that with all sorts of areas of life. Um, if you've never read it and um, you're at all interested in economics, read a book called um, Freakonomics, which talks about actually how we do that. We apply those sort of economic cost-benefit analysis principles to all sorts of areas of life. Actually, we do. We make decisions all the time on actually what's our time worth, how much we're going to engage in stuff. And I think the reality is sometimes I think we do actually really similarly with our relationship with Jesus. Actually, the idea of having a life like Jesus had full of like peace and um, joy and all that is, is really appealing but actually we kind of think yeah we'll sign up to that and then we, we start to think about the lifestyle that's needed and think oh it's quite a lot of effort maybe am I sure I can do that am I sure I can devote the time to that and um, 
So we carry on living in this sort of world of stress and hurry, kind of knowing that there's probably a better world that we're being called to, that Jesus calls us to, but actually maybe not having the discipline we need to actually follow after that. And um, in reality, it's mad, isn't it? Because actually we know that actually the plans Jesus has for us are so much better than the plans we have for ourselves. And ultimately, it's almost like we're back in the thought, it's almost like that same thing as actually we think we know better than Jesus. We think that actually, clearly, actually, Jesus might have had time to have spend with his father every day 2,000 years ago, but he didn't understand how busy we are in our lives and how many demands there are on us, so clearly we don't have the same sort of time to prioritise that as he did. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, we just need to really think about, actually, if we want to experience the life of Jesus, then we actually really need to simplify things to following, actually, his way and what he's asked us to do. If you were a... Um, Christian teenager in the 1990s. You probably had one of the um, WWJD bracelets. They were the height of fashion at Stony Bible Week and Soul Survivor um, back in the day. Um, but actually, um, if you don't need it, they just stood for what would Jesus do? And it was very simplistic. But actually, I think there's something that we need to not lose in that. But the idea was basically, actually, what would Jesus do in our situations and where we're at? And I think sometimes we overcomplicate stuff too much and, and, and forget that actually what we're called to be is followers of Jesus. And so actually we should be looking at his lifestyle and learning from his lifestyle and seeing how we can apply that to our days. So I think there's two key things from Jesus's lifestyle that can really help us when we start to think about technology. The first one was that Jesus was rarely in a hurry. And the second one was actually how present he was in the situations he was in. So you see throughout the Gospels that Jesus never particularly seems hurried. Actually, you can't imagine him being distracted by a phone. You can't imagine him for him not having time for people that needed him. him. Or actually getting irritated. You can't imagine him coming in from a day and being like, oh, it's been such a hard day. I just don't have time for anything right now. Actually, you just can't imagine that being Jesus, can you? Actually, he didn't seem to get irritable and agitated with people. Actually, the only time you saw him get annoyed was when people were being hypocrites. And, and so it was a righteous anger with people, not because he was just annoyed because people were hassling him too much. But um, we, and we looked at some of the key um, stories. Actually, James speaks about Jairus the other week. Um, did we look at Jesus encouraging children to come to him? We look at how when his friend Lazarus died um, was dying, he waited two days before he went to him. Actually, Jesus didn't seem to be in a rush. Actually, he was all sort of had time. He, he constantly seemed to get interrupted. Story after story in the Bible is Jesus getting interrupted, but he doesn't get annoyed or agitated with people. Actually, he had time for people. So how did he do that? There's a few things that we can look at. Actually, the fact that he built a healthy margin into his life. Actually, he didn't fill every minute with activity. He made sure that he had time to spend with his father. There's lots of stories of also how he had time to spend with his friends, eating together, having fellowship with one another. Actually, he built those times into his life. So actually, that there wasn't this constant demand on him. He also lived quite a simple lifestyle before it was called to do so. Actually, there's kind of a bit of a movement at the moment about living more simplistic lifestyles. But actually, you know, Jesus did that. And actually, there's probably a challenge on, on us is how much of our busyness is self-inflicted because we're striving for stuff, whether it's striving for something in jobs. Take, you know, I found this a bit even during like this year, actually how much we were running around taking kids to various things and clubs and stuff like that. And when it was all stripped back because it had to be, you start to think, well, partly, why were we doing all that? Actually, some of our busyness was very much self-inflicted that we were trying to, you know, let's make sure the kids have all these opportunities. Let's do this. Um, you know, like... Whatever it is you're doing, like actually whether it's um, 
buy, buying more stuff and things like that. It's really easy to fall into a lifestyle where you don't, you're, you're constantly having to carry on what you're doing because you've built a life that stops you being able to actually take time. And so there is something about the simplicity of the lifestyle that Jesus led. He practiced the Sabbath, which is something we're going to talk about as this series goes on, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks on that further down the line. Um, he prioritized time with his father. And so what you see for Jesus is actually love for God and others were his priorities. So he made space for those activities, and they were the things that were most important. And I think the reality is that actually for all of us, actually where we spend our time shows where our hearts are at. So I think we really need to think about how we're spending our time wisely. Going back to that, like, what would Jesus do thing? What would Jesus do in your situation? And each of us has different situations, actually, whether that's actually demanding jobs, whether that's actually um, small children, whether that's elderly parents that we're worried about, whether that's, like, you know, all of us have different states. And life is, you know, if we're students and we're studying with exam, actually, we can always find reasons that life is busy. That's the reality of it. But actually, how would Jesus respond in those situations that you're in? One of the things I think is really interesting is that most successful people are actually really organized. And I think that um, sometimes we sort of almost like want to reject any sort of organization or structure because like, you know, that's um, legalistic, but we need to be spontaneous and free. But actually, I think what you realize actually through creation and through Jesus and through God is actually there's a rhythm to life and that's part of God's design for life whether that's actually the fact that you know the world was made in seven days and there was the rest of the Sabbath whether that is day or night whether that's the seasons actually the world is built in a way that there's times for activity and times for rest and I think it's really important that we actually don't see being organized and having structure as something that's bad actually yeah we want to be free to if something happens and the Holy Spirit leads us to do something but actually there's a there's a, you see through Jesus, actually the idea of having structure in your life, having time set aside for God, time set aside for family, time where you prioritise people is really important. So I think there's something about just building a structure into our lives that helps us. It's really easy to say, actually, like we're too busy for things, too busy to make time for Jesus. But um, actually the reality is most of us can, no matter what season we're in. Paul shared last week, didn't he, um, or maybe two weeks ago, his example of actually how he'd in the, in the evening started um, for a period, not put the TV on straight away, but picked up his Bible to spend time with God. And um, I think it's interesting in terms of actually how you're spending your time to see whether there is time that you can spend more with Jesus. Um, you know, like... If someone was saying that actually their relationship was going on, their marriage or something, or a relationship with kids, because they didn't have time to spend with that person, I think all of us would be saying, well, you need to sort your priorities out and make sure you spend some time with them, because actually that's the clearly most important thing. But I think we sometimes don't have the same view of our things with God. And actually, ultimately, if we really want to follow Jesus, we need to make time for him. I think um, one of the things I'm going to challenge you about in the next week before we sort of look at this a bit more practicing application is actually look over the next week of how you spend your time. I think it's really easy, isn't it, to um, think you're not spending time and not wasting time until you actually study it. So, um, you know, the, the book we looked at, and you can read all sorts of stats about how often people, you, how many 
thousands of hours people spend a week, a uh, year, sorry, on television or social media and stuff like that. You know, the average person picks up their phone every 12 minutes, etc., etc. And there's lots of stats we can look at like that. But I just want to challenge you over the next week, before we start to look at the fact, actually think about that, like make a point over the next week of actually looking at some of those things for yourself in your own life. I say, when I read this book, um, I've got an iPhone, so you could look at the screen time report on it. And it was actually quite terrifying how much screen time I had. I was like, I don't use my phone that much. And you look at it, it's something massive. And actually, so I really challenge you over the next week, really consciously think about that, because I think it will really help when we start to think about some of the practical ways we can respond to this, to actually really be aware of when, you're, when you are losing, um, using stuff. Oh, and then I think the final thing I just um, wanted to say today is that while we're doing that, and I'm going to touch more on this this, this week, is that actually the other thing we notice from Jesus is how present he is to his father, to other people, and the world around him. And I think there's a phrase called fubbing, which I discovered, which is basically a combination of phone and snubbing. And actually, I think we've all probably been in situations where we've been fubbed off. Um, so, and I think it's just one of the things we just need to think about over like the next week, and we're going to touch on more next week, is actually how do we get out of this situation? How do we act like Jesus would do and prioritise the people around us where we're at? So it's almost like I'm setting you a little bit of homework. I want everyone to but over the next week to just really think about it. Really allow God to speak to you about how you use time, but really maybe keep track of time, whether it's looking at a screen time report, whether it's just making a little note of when you're watching television and stuff. Because then actually when we're looking next week at how we can start to make more time for Jesus and how we use our um, technology wisely, we'll all be in a position where we actually know what we're using now as opposed to probably estimating, which I would guess nearly everyone would underestimate how much they're using stuff. So I'm going to hand back to Andrew and we'll pick up again next week. Thank you.